Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Anthony, back with another edition of The Fourth Man. Sorry for the absence and the the delay. Took a little bit of an excursion overseas and have been away from actually recording the episodes. But appreciate everyone that's rocking with us today. And at a really exciting time in the big three season, you know, missed a couple weeks in terms of being able to update you guys verbally on what's been going on with the league. But we had a great fallout session. Obviously, a couple of good weeks where we saw some teams do really well. Threes Company won a couple in a row. We saw Killer Threes win three in a row during that time span. Saw Bidwack win a couple of games for the first time since 2019. Almost did three in a row. Very close to doing so. But, yeah, a lot's been going on. Obviously, we have an exciting week seven coming up. Essentially, an extended playoff coming up. So, going to bring a great episode and kind of bring everyone up to speed a little bit more on kind of the situation at hand. My thoughts really on on everything that's been going on within the league and then ultimately try to piece it all together, make sure that everyone's on the same page going into this in the playoff run. We also have a dope interview on the back end with one of the teams that will be playing tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, you know, in, a, in that extended playoff format, who kind of has a little bit of leverage, but we have one of the players from the teams on the back end. So make sure you guys stick around for that. Before we jump into anything, as always, make sure you're following the show at Fourth Man Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as well. You can also find the show on YouTube at youtube.com slash fourthmanpod. And for those of you tuning in on Dash Radio in the Nothing But Net channel, one, we appreciate the opportunity to be on this platform, but two, thanks for everyone who is tuning in and listening to a little bit more hoops coverage throughout the summer. Obviously, there's been some great summer hoops with the addition of the OBL. TBT is doing some big things. And the big three, always, always, Always doing great things in the summer, but always bringing that innovation at the best season yet. And now we get an extended playoff, which is pretty crazy. So let's kind of break down everything that's going on right now. Uh, Kind of a similar format as last year where the bottom four teams are essentially getting dropped off. I think at this point, everyone has kind of seen, you know, there was a rumor about Kaepernick investing. So I think it kind of alludes to everybody that there are some capital issues going off. Look, at the end of the day, guys, this is technically the fifth season, but the sixth, yeah, I guess it's technically the fifth season. Obviously we had the COVID year, but at the end of the day, this is a startup sports league. So things are going to change on the fly and there's going to, you know, sometimes it's it's not always going to be easy to get to the road you want to and accomplish what you want to at, in the early going. There's a reason why there's four major leagues and there's a ton of, a, you know, smaller leagues out there. And while they get publicity and people watch them, there's a reason why there's four major ones that people are, are, are kind of the monopolies of the sports world. So the big three is no different. We're going through a little bit of growing pains. And I still don't think, you know, especially with COVID, I think a lot of people go through growing pains and trying to readapt and readjust with everything. But I still think it's been a great season. And unfortunately, it's just, it was really tough to see, you know, four teams go again, where I think there were some teams with slight bit of opportunity, which I, you know, you always hate to count anybody out, especially, but in a league where point differential matters so crucially, 
you know, there, I think there were teams that had a little bit, uh, you know, still of an edge and opportunity to potentially make that big, that playoff run. So unfortunately we did, you know, enemies, triplets, ball hogs, and bivlack, their seasons have ended after six weeks. Triplets took a tough loss. Uh, bivlack took a tough loss as well. And then enemies, unfortunately, after a two and one start, they have dropped three in a row. Thought this was going to be a really good enemies team. They got Elijah Stewart back last week, but just a little bit too late, unfortunately. However, like, I think the team that you feel for the most a little bit is that it's got to be Bivouac. I mean, Bivouac, they were coming on strong. They've only lost by 11 points all year in, the, in their four losses. Three games, they lost by three this past week. They only lost by two points against the Killer 30 team that they were up against. So would have been a really interesting scenario if Bivouac had won that game. We had, a, you know, two more three and three teams rather than a four and two team, and two and four team. But nonetheless, it is what it is. It is unfortunate. At the same time, however, it's a very opportune time for one, I think us as viewers and fans to to see kind of that extended playoff run where every game matters even more. It already matters so much in an eight-game season, but now that we we really see these teams like potentially in a spot where they're one and done um, for, for some of the teams, especially the three and three teams. So it's unfortunate. Um, the good thing is there is going to be the all-star game, which they did announce. So I think we'll still see guys like Gerald Green, Jody Meeks will, I think, should probably be an all-star within there. I mean, Corey Brewers had a really good season, all-star worthy, I don't know. Isaiah Austin, potential defensive player of the year, maybe we see him in the all-star. So we're going to be able to see, uh, essentially, the all-stars will be anybody that's not playing in the championship game, because I think the all-star game is actually going to take place in Atlanta and State Farm Arena on August 21st, right before the championship game. So we'll get to see some guys. I think Gerald Green's a no-brainer for All-Star, probably rookie of the year, probably in the MVP conversation, although I don't think anyone's knocking off Kevin Murphy. But it is unfortunate to see that we won't see those four teams anymore. Um, but it, again, makes a very interesting scenario as we go into week seven with eight teams remaining. There will be two teams eliminated. Essentially, the rundown is this. There's going to be eight teams heading into week seven, Two of those teams get the bye. So three-headed monsters will, because they are top of the league, will get a bye um, and move on to week eight. Actually, three-headed monsters already has secured and clinched their playoff spot because the big three is essentially saying you need at least five wins to get into the playoffs. Three-headed monsters has secured that. Um, their playoff spot being at the top of the top of the standings. Essentially, next week they will be fighting for playoff position, and Kevin Murphy will be fighting for particularly the points record. He needs 25 points to break Joe Johnson's record back last year. So it's going to be a little bit tougher, but I think if anyone can do it, Kevin Murphy can definitely get it done in one game rather than two. In terms of the other team that's going to get the bye, it's going to be Aliens. They did get essentially – they got the bye, but they also got a win. So they're technically five and two at this point. Essentially the way the big three laid it out is that they had – the win over Trilogy, and Trilogy had the win over Killer Threes. So I guess that means Aliens has the edge over both of them. Uh, not sure if I necessarily agree with that, but nonetheless, because Killer Threes actually had the better point differential, those teams were actually supposed to play each other, so we could have got a better understanding um, if the schedule had played out how it was supposed to. Nonetheless, it is what it is. Killer Threes is you know, going to be playing – um, this week, and Aliens will get the pass and, and be able to fight for a playoff spot in week eight. They, unlike three-headed monsters, 
aren't secured for a playoff spot. Um, I think that mostly has to do with point differential and where they're at. I'm still trying to figure out, I guess, three-headed monsters automatically got the win this week, so that would make them six and one. I guess six and one, and aliens five and two, and everyone's three and three or four and two the rest of the way. But how it works is so you have, again, it's like an extended playoff. So three-headed monsters will be the one seed. Aliens will, it's an extended playoffs going into the playoffs. This is a weird way to, to work it out. If One thing about the big three, you always get things that have never happened in the sports world before. And this, again, will be that same uh, equation or situation. But I don't know. It's kind of fun in, in a way to to see these teams, you know, not only get a taste of, like, postseason action, but really just seeing how much they really care about winning and how much they really want it. So that's going to be really cool. So essentially, three-headed monsters will have the one seed. Aliens will have the two seed heading into week eight. So what that means for the rest of the teams, there'll be six teams that played this week with four of those teams advancing into week eight. And three out of monsters being the one seed will play the six seed. Aliens will play the five seed as the two seed and the three and four seed will match up heading in there. I think most of that will be determined. The, like the other four teams heading into week eight will be determined on what happens this week and point differential. Um, so all that being said, the three teams playing this week, threes company will play killer threes. Tri-State will play Power. Ghostballers will play Trilogy. I think essentially the way it is is that all the three and three teams, it's either win or go home. So Three's Company, Tri-State, Power, and Ghostballers will all play each other. Uh, and, well, all, not all play each other, excuse me. They'll all play in hopes of their season not being over, as, and it won't be as long as they win. Now, Killer Threes and Trilogy are in a little bit more of an interesting scenario, so it's a little bit... You know, they don't necessarily – essentially, they're both four and two, so their season won't necessarily be over if they lose. Essentially, the way I look at it is Trilogy is in regardless at this at this point. Uh, well, okay, and this is, this is what we're doing on this episode. We're trying to figure out exactly, and maybe you guys can leave me your thoughts on what you think should happen or what the case might be. My understanding right now is and, – and how everything would make sense is that point differential – isn't exactly what matters when it comes to two teams that are tied with the same record, right? Because aliens didn't get an off point differential. They got in based off a win over trilogy who trilogy then got the win over the killer three. So it was more of like the superiority. Your win is more superior than your point differential, right? So the way I think it would make sense is that let's say that like the way I think it makes sense is that trilogy is in regardless, right? They win and they're moving on because they have five wins. They lose. And, well, maybe not regardless. Okay, this is what we're trying to figure out. So my thought is that if Killer Threes and Trilogy both loses, Trilogy is in because Trilogy got the win over Killer Threes, right? If Killer Threes wins and Trilogy loses, I guess that would make Killer Threes in. But it would also mean there would still be another team that would need to be in. <laughs> so Trilogy would, would be in regardless, right? Because the way I'm looking at it is Tri-State or Power, one of them are going home. That's one. That's one of the four teams, right? And then from the other games, you're going to get two more winners. So that's three teams. And you're going to have a fourth team. So if, if – yeah. So essentially that's how it's going to work. Let's say that Trilogy and Killer Threes both loses. I would think that Trilogy is going to get the get to go on and Killer Threes would go home because they have the win over Killer Threes. It's not about point differential because Killer Threes has the best – point differential in the league outside of three-headed monsters, I believe. 
But if Killer Threes beats Threes Company and Ghostballers beats Trilogy, then it would be Killer Threes, one of the Tri-Stater Power teams, Ghostballers, and then still Trilogy because they would still have a better record over Threes Company. They'd have a better record over Threes Company or the loser of Tri-State Power. So at this point, it looks like Trilogy is a lot. I'm trying to think if there's if there's one way that it they wouldn't get in. I mean, would at what point? Because if Trilogy loses, and let's say, no, I mean, there's literally, there's literally no way that they couldn't get in at this point, unless they do count point differentials. So, hopefully, this makes sense. Let me break it down and clarify because I'm I'm kind of going through the same thoughts, like kind of throughout the weekend and and, and currently right now, trying to solve it with you guys. So let's clarify real quickly. There's Threes Company and Killer Threes, Tri-State and Power, Ghostballers and Trilogy. Threes Company and Killer Threes uh, will be the first game with Threes Company being three and three and Killer Threes being four and two. Tri-State and Power are both three and three and then Ghostballers is three and three, Trilogy is four and two. Tri-State and Power, one of them is gonna win and move on. One of them is gonna go home. That's an easy one, right? Threes Company and Killer Threes, Threes Company, if they win, they will move on because that would only make sense. Killer threes would be in a holding block right there, being at 44 and three. Um, and the, But if killer, three, killer threes wins, they would automatically move on. Same situation for Trilogy and Ghostballer. If Trilogy won, they would automatically move on. Ghostballers would go home. But if Ghostballers win, it would only make sense for them to move on as well. And Trilogy... I think would move on either way, just based off how the scenario is. So, yeah, literally the three and three teams, if they win, they're probably moving on. That's the whole point of this scenario right now. And if they lose, they're going home. Killer Threes and Trilogy, if they win, they're into week eight. And if Killer Threes, so the only way really Killer Threes can't get in is if they lose and Trilogy loses. But let's put it that way, Okay. So hopefully that makes sense to everybody. I'm really trying to break it down as granular as I possibly can. In terms of seeding, I have no idea how that's going to look. I would imagine that if Killer Threes and Trilogy wins, they're probably going to be the three and four seed and probably end up matching up again where we're going to get a rematch of the game from earlier this year. If, if Killer Threes loses and Trilogy wins, you know, maybe we see that shake up a little bit. Now, in terms of the matchups, very interesting, right? Because you're getting Threes Company and Killer Threes, two of the hottest teams in the league. Threes Company has essentially found this new identity where, or maybe this realization where it's like, hey, Michael Beasley doesn't need to take every single shot and win us every single game just by a scoring prowess. He just needs to be the center focal point and be able to run the show. So if he's got a shot, let him take the shot. But hey, be looking for a little bit more cuts, uh, you know, off all screens where guys are getting open and just be the facilitator on that. And that has worked to perfection. They have blown out the, the past two teams they've played. Um, because of because of this strategy where, you know, they killed Ballhawks. Ballhawks almost came back. So I guess they didn't blow them out. But they, I should say in the first half, it has worked to perfection. Blowing out Ballhawks in the first half. Week prior, blowing out Ghost Ballers in the first half, essentially taking them out of it. So and on the flip side, Killer Threes, hey, they're doing what they do. They're being scrappy. They're they're fighting to get their wins. And they did that at last week against Bivouac without their coach. And, and a really impressive win where – Bivlack got off to a good start. They played great collectively as a team. They dared Frank Nitti to shoot, and and Frank said, "Okay, uh, I'm gonna 
I'm going to shoot and, and made and made a shot. So kudos to Killer Threes, um, essentially knocking Bilwack out of any kind of fight to come back from a, an 0 3 start. So that one's going to be pretty interesting. I, I feel like it's tough because on paper, I've said all year that I think Threes Company is going to be the best team. I thought they're going to be the best team. They've looked like how I thought they should have all year. And when they're hitting on auxiliators, they are a really good team. You know, having Michael Beasley, Julian Wright's come on strong. Uh, Rio's done his thing like we thought he would. Killer Threes is a scrappy, hard-nosed team that probably plays better team ball than anybody else uh, in the league. There's no there's no focal point despite Dante Green being like one of the better players in this league. So it's really tough for me to say. A part of me thinks that Three's company gets it done, but I feel like every time I doubt Killer Threes, they end up winning. So uh, I'm just going to stick with my gut. I'm going to say Three's company gets the win, um, but I think Killer Threes is still going to get in because I think Trilogy is going to beat Ghost Ballers. Trilogy is just a really good team. Like the fact that they're in this scenario is kind of baffling to me. One, they're the champ. They're you know they're the reigning champions, and Ghost Ballers is a really good team too. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's been they've they've ran into some scenarios where they put themselves in hole and it's been hard to dig out of. And I just don't know if trilogy is going to be the best matchup for them. Now, Ghostballers did have a huge lead over trilogies before a 22 to 5 run um, from trilogy ultimately and winning the game. I don't know if trilogy gets in that hole again. That that's kind of where I said it right now. I just don't know if trilogy is going to get back in that hole against Ghostballers and put themselves with their backs against the walls have to come back and win. It's possible, but I just don't know if that happens. I think Trilogy ultimately finds a way to get to week eight to compete for another playoff spot and defend their title. That's really how I look at it. Tri-State Power is an interesting one. You know, Tri-State's dropped a couple after a three and one start. Power's been kind of a roller coaster of emotions up and down, but they beat a really good Aliens team last week. Um, Jason Richardson uh, probably should be talked a little bit more about being an MVP conversation. And we just haven't, we just haven't done that. I feel like as a big three community, but he's had a really good games. Um, the hope is that they have Larry Sanders back. I think that ultimately they couldn't stop Kevin Murphy one, because no one in the league has done so. But two, if you had a little bit more of a paint presence, maybe he doesn't drive to the paint as much. And I think they were missing Larry Sanders. The Juan Summers probably played his worst game of the season there. So it's tough on the flip side power. They kind of took the similar route as three's company where they're like, Hey, our best score, arguably our best player in Glenn Rice, he's going to be the focal point, but he's going to be looking to pass the ball and facilitate when necessary. I think that ultimately led them to a win against aliens on top of that playing really good defense, being able to guard the different actions and back cuts that aliens likes to run um, and their style of play. So it's really, it's really a toss up there. Tri-State was the number one seed last year. Power is a team that doesn't really miss the playoffs and they've never had a losing record. So it's really hard for me to say. I kind of think that changes. I think Tri-State's going to get it done. I think stopping Jason Richardson is, is going to be really tough. DeJuan Summers is a tough cover. And they have Larry Sanders, I should say this. They have Larry Sanders. It's hard for me to think that Tri-State doesn't win this game more so than I think Power loses this one, as disciplined as I think they are. Uh, so I'm going to go – those are my picks. Three's Company, Tri-State, Trilogy. Could definitely 
be completely wrong, get all those wrong, and every other team wins. This is how this is how tight and competitive the league is this year. So should be interesting. Um, you know, a lot on the line here. And this is only to get to week eight. This is the crazy part. This is only to get to week eight. So there's gonna be eight teams this week. Week eight is gonna feature six teams, and then from those six teams, we're gonna have four teams heading into the playoffs, and then two teams in the championship, and then one winner. This is this is nuts. Like I kind of love this. It's almost like a kind of a tournament style in a sense that we're, we, you know, like a March madness or TBT tournament. So this should be really interesting. Um, I'm excited to see who steps up and, you know, three headed monsters. They don't have to play this week. Aliens don't have to play this week. Three headed monsters is already a shoe in to get into the playoffs, but they're going to be fighting for that number one seed to, you know, try to finally capture a title. This really looks like this could be the year. I wonder if Jonathan Simmons comes back at any point. He tweaked his ankle. I'm just wondering if he comes back or they stick with Moon, who's got that playoff experience. Um, Rashard Lewis came back, so that was good to see. Quincy Miller's been a revelation for them, so that's interesting. And I think for Aliens, uh, I'm curious to see how, you know, they their season ends and if they make the playoffs. They get off to the 4-1 start, beat a really good trilogy team, fall last week to power, uh, and arguably Bullets' best game. You know, Deshaun Stevens has been incredible. I think my concern right now has been that the shooting slump of Carlos Lasmanas has has hurt them a little bit. I think they're going to need Carlos to be more of a scoring prowess, floor spacer, uh, alongside being, you know, kind of the second facilitator for them. Because I think when he's on, they're, they're a really hard team to beat. But he's just having a tough time finding his shot. Um, you're here lately, you know. I think Eva Shev does a little bit of everything, uh, kind of just whatever you need him to do. And I, I think he's filled that role nicely. I think this is the team that plays hard, hustles hard, rebounds hard, um, looks for the open man, but they need Las Manas to be a little bit more on. They need him to be a threat from the outside and kind of get to the cup like, you know, he, he can't. Um, so interested to see how those teams play out. And as a, as a top two seed, you know, they're going to have a little bit of a target on their back. But I think most importantly are the three games tomorrow. And I'm so excited to see how those turn out. I'm really, I'm going to be locked in and tuned in to see how those goes. And, you know, at the same time too, we're still looking to see who could be some all-stars. I think there's a lot of different all-stars from these games. And I think that's going to be really fun to see different guys, you know, playing with each other um, from different teams or maybe guys that have played with each other in the past. I, I don't know how the all-star format's going to be, but that's going to be super sick. So um, any question, if there's any questions on, the, the formats of the last two weeks uh, heading into the playoffs, you know, comment below, whether this is a uh, social media or on YouTube, I guess YouTube is part of social media, but comment below. I'll try to, we'll love to brainstorm with you or try to answer any questions as best as I can. This is the best as I understand it. And as it continues to trickle along, I'll try to put out information on Twitter and Instagram to make sure that everyone's caught up to speed. Uh, uh, maybe some of the little details that, that aren't being discussed. So that's kind of a, a preview of what to expect this week. You know, a lot's gone on. I feel like the two weeks I'm, I, you know, didn't have an episode. We ended up, you know, missing a lot, but at the same time, it all kind of came together because now we're at a point where it's almost uh, a, a new chapter in the season. And so really excited to see how that turns out and hope you guys are tuning in and you know, for us at the fourth man, the goal is to be at the championship game. Uh, it might just be as a spectator, but 
we're going to make it there. We're really close to State Farm Arena uh, in comparison to Chicago and Dallas. So the idea is to be there on that Sunday and and watch the All-Star game and see who's crowned the season five champion. And this is an exciting time. This extended playoffs, like, I don't know if we've ever gotten this in this league or anything like it. You know, we've had some some battles down to the end of the regular season, but this is going to be fun. I feel for some of the teams that maybe have worse records and didn't get to play the teams that maybe were struggling a little bit, you know, like the ball hogs or the triplets without Joe or, you know, whatever. I mean, those are, I'm not saying those aren't tough teams, but you know, at the same time, like just be able to play up different teams rather than like rematch against teams that you've already played. So I feel for that a little bit, but again, startup league, sometimes you have to adjust on the fly. I think maybe the league communicate a little bit better. Um, I think for them, this wasn't an expectation, but maybe, just communicate a little bit more so beforehand, even at the beginning of the season. Hey, this is the directions that things could go if everything doesn't align um, exactly how that, you know, we have planned for to, to go this season. I think communication is just good. And I think maybe there's a lack of that uh, at, at points in times, you know, being a big league and trying not to scare everybody. Uh, but I bring all that up because it does look like Joe Johnson's time with the big three is over. Um, I hope that, the relationship is rekindled from my understanding and from, you know, what we've kind of heard uh, through the grapevine is that, yes, the league announced that he retired, but I think there was a little bit of unhappiness with some of the miscommunication and um, kind of what was going on. I think they could have been a little bit you know, more direct with him. Seeing as he's kind of the face of the league, the two-time MVP, uh, maybe, I guess, you know, from my understanding, again, I don't know any of this. I don't know either either of their sides. I haven't spoken to any, any representatives from the Big Three or Joe Johnson or any of his representatives. This is just how I'm understanding it. And I think there was a little lack of communication within there that Joe wasn't too happy about and ultimately decided I've done enough in this league. I've won a championship. I've won MVPs. I've won scoring titles. I've set records. And this, this is my time. So, you know, I would love to – I would hope, cross my fingers, that they could rekindle that relationship and have Joe back. But if not, I just want to say uh, a kudos and shout out to Joe Johnson. He's really made this league very exciting and fun. And I think as this league continues to grow, I think we'll look back on the years that we had, you know, the arguably the greatest player, the GOAT of the big three playing and, and just dominating the league. So shout out to him. Hope everything goes with, well with the, the yoga studio. And uh, definitely going to be watching from afar what Joe Johnson's doing. All right. That being said, that's the end of this half of the episode. I hope it didn't confuse anybody too much. Hope everyone's really geared up and amped for this extended playoff and the week seven of the big three. Appreciate everyone who's tuned into this half of the episode. Make sure you tune in to our interview on the back end. If you've, you probably already know who the interview is with at this point, but we got Killer Three's Dominic Johnson on the show to kind of talk about the team, his first year in the big three as well as what to expect heading into this this playoff experience with his with his guys. So thank you again. Make sure you guys are following on social media at Fourth Man Pod, subscribed on YouTube and ring that notification bell for all the new episodes, as well as uh, tuning in on Dash Radio to Nothing But Net channel if you don't necessarily have the other resources to be able to listen. Um, thank you again to those tuning in, and let's get to our interview with Dominique Johnson. So today on the show, we're excited to welcome on Killer 3's first-round pick and longtime professional hooper, Dominique Johnson. Again, thanks for the time. Welcome to the show. And do people call you Dom? Do they call you DJ? You just straight up go by Dominique. What's the best way to address you? 
And it's like so many nicknames. Um, they call me Dom, Neek, uh, DJ, you know, just to keep it simple. Yeah. All right, cool. I, I've been calling you Dom through our, our back and forth text. I'm like, man, what if he doesn't even go by that? So I'm, I'm glad yeah, that people do yeah, call you that. <laughs> cool. Well, again, uh, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on. And first and foremost, let me say congrats to being drafted into the big three. Um, you know, it's kind of a prestigious draft class in the sense of there's 100, 150 people that are in this draft pool, but only 20 to 25 people get selected, you know, through over, over the course of different years they've had it, whether they've had six players or five players. So congrats to that. And, you know, it's been a hell of a first season. You know, uh, as I told you a little bit, typically how I do this is I'll, I'll start with kind of the, the journey leading up to the big three and kind of paraphrase it. But I really want to start with your big three career and trickle our way down into your sure. journey, like I said. And, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, most of the time I'm doing a lot of research on on the guys I'm bringing on here because not a lot of the names I know um, necessarily right off the jump when they joined the big three. But right. for you, we had Dante on the show. Dante's, you know, a, a previous guest that's been on the show a couple of times and he's yeah. on our draft stream and he was hyping you up big time. He's talking about rookie of the year. We got our guy, you know, he, he's yeah. really hyping you up. What is your relationship with your co-captain and teammate, Dante Green? <laughs> so, um, so Tay and I, uh, well, first off, let's back backtrack with the draft process um, because I didn't know that the draft pool was that big. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I went to the combine, I'm thinking, OK, these are the players that are in the draft. However, once when the combine was over with, you saw the list of names and stuff like that. I'm like, here we go again. I got to try to, you know, I got to try to prove myself. Like, hopefully I did enough. Right. And, um, you know, lo and behold, like it, it paid off. But, um, you know, once when I got drafted, I had called Tay. I was like, yo, is this what the like the NBA draft thing was like? Because I'm like, I'm looking at these names and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, nah, this ain't going to happen. Like, <laughs> this, this, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm already, yeah, yeah. Against the, I'm against the, uh, I'm behind the eight ball. So, um, you know, like I said, it happened. And, uh, but, but Tay and I, our relationship goes back to uh, Sacramento. Okay. I met, I met him when I was, uh, when I left college, um, 2010. And getting ready for the, for the NBA, for me to chase my dreams. And um, that's how Tay and I met. And we've always stayed connected. Man, that's cool. They always say, or the guests I have on here always say, like, the, for the pros and, like, the Hooper circle, it's, it's such a tight-knit brotherhood. So that's cool that you guys have been yeah, able to stay connected everybody for such knows a long everybody, time. Everybody knows everybody or knows somebody that knows somebody. Right, right. Or you've heard of that guy before somewhere. Or you played against exactly. him somewhere. Man, that's yeah. crazy. Um, small yeah. world. So um, typically for you, you're either gearing up to play overseas or you're already overseas playing as a, as a player who's played overseas for a long time. Most recently you were playing in Italy. Yes. Just give me a little bit of an understanding of like your summer um, this year in comparison to the last summer. I mean, obviously you're getting to spend a lot more time with family. You're getting to play stateside yeah. and your family's getting to see you play and you're spending time in Dallas and you, you found one that's been in California, you've been in Michigan. So describe yeah. to me this summer a little bit in comparison to others. This summer has been probably one of the best uh, best summers for me. Um, I mean, I've been playing overseas for the past 10 plus years. Um, you know, like you said, currently in Italy. But this summer, you know, with the big three opportunity, it just gave me a chance to play here. You know, my family and stuff, being able to come to the games, watching the games at a reasonable time. Uh, you know, I'm sure you heard this story similar with uh, with Stacy when he was on the podcast as well. So um, that part right there has been like a dream come true. Um, and then the two cities that we were 
chose to play in was Chicago and Dallas. So Chicago from Detroit. So that's four hours away. Um, so I had a lot of family there. Um, Dallas and then at the arena that we're playing in is where I first started my professional journey with the Texas Legends. Right. So um, so just walking back into the arena, walking in the tunnel, looking at the locker rooms and stuff like that, it was just all nostalgic. But um, to sum it up, man, it's just been a blessing. Man, that's crazy. And it, it's it's something that we hear a lot on the show, but it, it never gets old because it's truly yeah. like, it's cool to see like people get to play in front of their kids and, and be around family, you know, like you guys work so hard and like adapting these new environments to play overseas and for you guys to be able to play safe side and not only like showcase your game, but play on a big platform is really yeah. what I enjoy about the league. Cause there's a lot of guys that are really good that we don't get to that. And probably a lot of guys we don't know about that are really good. So having this platform or this, you know, this platform for you guys is really cool. Um, the big three opportunities. So you've known Tay for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the draft show, he kind of broke the news that they were going to take you. We also had some guys from Ghostballers who said they were looking at you and were, were hoping that you would fall to them later in the draft, but that didn't necessarily happen. Um, Dante mentioned that he told you that you need to come home from Italy, enter your name into the draft, um, and we're going to try to get you if nobody else selects you. And yeah. his story was is that you were at the Combine killing it. Because uh, I guess Frank didn't know you very well. Frank said he saw no, him in the Yeah, Frank and I, uh, Frank and I have been knowing each other since uh, 2013. Like the okay. backstory to that, um, I was supposed to play with them. Last, I think I was supposed to play last year, but I wasn't in the draft pool. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in the draft pool. So um, when they hit me, I talked to somebody about like flights and all this stuff. And then they called me back and was like, yo, like, are you in the draft pool? I'm like, I think so. Because at the time, like, I had signed this contract with T. Scott, like, right before COVID hit. Okay. And um, I thought the contract was good, mm -hmm. you know, so I never thought anything about it. Lo and behold, I wasn't in the draft pool, so I couldn't play. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that stopped me. Um, but also, like, I've been asked to play in the big three since it started. But for me, we're playing eight to ten months overseas every year and going into the postseason – the summers are just for my wife and I, you know, where we go and travel and, and do what we need to do. So um, this year was a little bit different. You know, like I said, I talked to Tay. Our season ended early in Italy. So I was like, yo, I'm coming home, you know. So um, I did that and I went straight to the to the combine. And, um, you know, that was that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And what, well, what uh, Dante was saying is that um, you're going crazy at the combine. Frank had seen enough as the representative of Killer Threes, and they had told you to sit yeah. down, but you kept going. You kept going out yeah, there doing wanna, your thing. I didn't want to sit down, man, because, <laughs> like, you know, when you're around the NBA personnel like this, um, and a lot of people don't, like, know me, mm -hmm. but um, I was just trying to put a face to the name. You know what I'm saying? That was, that was it. I knew the right time to stop. And I just trusted my instincts on that part, um, you know, and like, and it worked out. But uh, yeah, they were trying to, yeah, they was like, yo, like, you got to sit down. Like, you have to sit down. Uh -huh. But yeah, it was like. <laughs> Is a part of it too, like the the competitive edge and just like a, a point to prove like, yeah, you've heard the name. This is what I've done overseas. Here it is in, in yeah. the moment. Well, the other thing was just playing with your peers, right? You sure. know, um, a few of my guys or whatever that were, you know, in the L.A. area where we work out, um, you know, being there with them, 
playing with, you know what I'm saying, playing with them mm-hmm. and stuff like that for like the first time, like on a stage like that. Um, that was, you know what I'm saying, that was nice. You got Dr. J on the sideline and stuff like that, watching you, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that, looking at the history, him and George Gerben, you know, just sitting there talking like that was like, no, nah, I got to keep playing. <laughs> you know, so like, that's cool no that makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. I, I forget how many legends are in the building sometimes so yeah and it's hard to like i've been around a lot of people man sure. but it's like you know like star i've been starstruck probably twice that was like with penny hardaway and then you see dr j mm. you know what i'm saying it's like yo like that's literally you know him you know you sitting there talking to him and stuff like that so like that was a real dope experience man that's really cool so you were actually got to be a part of another cool experience when the D League started back up. You were part of the inaugural draft. You got drafted in the third round. Mm-hmm. Going back to draft night of the big three, you get a chance to, again, once again, be in a draft. But this time you get to go first round. Yeah. Is it, for you, is it like, you know, what's kind of your reaction? You know, is it ever like, does it ever like not, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Is it like, is it always a good feeling to be like, getting picked and even earlier this time around? I mean, what was this draft experience like for you in the big three? I mean, honestly, so like when people look at my school or they ask me what school I went to, because everybody immediately believed like I went division one, right? Um, I didn't go D1, D2, D3. I went to an NAI school, right? Well, it was an NAI school at the time, Azusa Pacific University. Mm-hmm. So um, just knowing where I come from, uh, looking at the road and stuff that I've like, pay for myself it's never been like an easy battle so getting drafted um a lot of people was just like damn like congratulations man like you know like you made it this and that and I'm like Dude, I've been playing for 10 plus years <laughs> yeah right you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. I honest and then I had to like sit back and think like how important that opportunity was and then just being at home and then looking at the list of players who I were, you know, who I was included with and I got picked out of those 120 players. So um, that was, that made me feel good in a way, but it also like put a target on your back because after that first week, nobody's guaranteed. Like the draft, the players that are drafted, they're not guaranteed. So you can have a bad week and you can get cut. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, it just motivated me a little bit more to, you know what I'm saying? To prove like I belong here. And that's that's all I'm trying to do. And that's why yeah. all the other NAI products who are coming behind me to let, you know what I'm saying? Like there are players that come from that that conference. Yeah, and I think it goes back to like kind of what we were saying before is that there's a lot of really good basketball players, a lot of good hoopers out there. And some we might never know their name or know what they've done, but they're yeah. really good. And so like you're definitely like paving that way um, and being able to play on a big platform and say, hey, like, doesn't matter where you come from. It's like what you do throughout the journey to be able to get there. So that's really dope. And what's what I was trying to, you know, kind of preface at the beginning too, like it goes back to there's only 22 guys that get selected. So you're getting selected in front of a a lot of people that one maybe have played in the league before, have had success in the league, not just the big three league, but all right, the NBA as well. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it's a huge testament to what you were able to do um, and what you're able to show at the combine. And I think you've proved your worth playing in the big three. I think it started from day one when you came out swinging, you guys played ball hogs, you guys won 50 to 33 in that first game. So one by 17, but not only that, you had the most points in the game, um, scoring 16 points. You showed your playmaking ability coming off the bench, knocked down like four threes. First and foremost, were there any adjustments you felt like you had to make 
in the big three in comparison to playing five on five? No, because, I mean, I think people don't understand, like, when you're playing in Europe, there's a lot of three-on-three basketball being played, like, in practices, right? Because they want to break down the plays. So when it's three-on-three, you get to see a look, you get to see the floor more, right? So it's way more space than you than you think, right? Obviously, you're imagining those other two players on the floor or the other four. But, um, I mean, my number one thing here with this team is just to be a floor spacer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know my role. You know, yeah, I can play make and stuff like that as well when we need it. But however, with Frank and Dante going downhill, there's no help on my side. You know what I'm saying? So that's my job. I have to knock down that open three. And that's what I've been, you know, so that's what I had to do my whole career. So um, there's really no adjustments. Um, and we have a selfless team. Like nobody's yeah, selfish on our team. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like we played this last game without our coach. and. Tay and I was on the bench. We was looking at each other like, you know, are you going to go in? Like, do, do we need to go in? Like, what, what do we need to – like, we didn't know. And then it was like when it was 48 to 49, it was like, yo, get in the game. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So Crunch that's, that's how our team is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it doesn't matter who gets the glory. We just want to win. Yeah. That's it. And I think that goes back to the foundation of, of Frank, Dante, and Josh, who have been the, the captains there for a long time. Like, I think – Within the big three community, or at least on this show, we've talked a lot about the culture of power and what they've been able to establish. But, yeah, you know, I think this is really the first time, I think, in depth, we're really talking about the culture of what Killer Threes has created. And I think yeah. you talking about the selflessness and just how the team operates goes to, you know, kind of put a testimonial to what, what they've said there. So that's crazy. Um, and it really, I think it just really gives other people within the big three community, especially people that are just tuning in for the first time this year, like this is a team that you can never count out, which we, which we saw yeah. last week, which we saw in the win over ghost ballers as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's pretty crazy too, because I don't know if everyone thought that way necessarily when you guys win the first game, you guys drop weeks two and three, um, yeah. but you guys bounce back and one, three straight. What was the conversation after going down one, two, because I know for this killer three team, this is a team, it's a core, I should say, that's been to the title in 2019. They went down one-two last year and then one out, but it wasn't enough. So what was the yeah. conversation like this year when you guys are down one-two or when I mean, your record's one and two? Honestly, like the my whole viewpoint on that, and I told them that it was just like if we were ever going to lose a game, it was better to lose those games in the in the beginning because it's going to teach you a lot, right? So in the end, or when it gets to like crunch time, like where we're in now you know how to win those type of games. You know how to respond now because you've already been through it. So those losses was just teaching points. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, there was no panic. Um, we were more so angry at ourselves for for dropping those games. But now you see when in late-game situations, we're able to execute and, and come out with the win and stuff like that. So um, the best thing about those losses were we didn't hit our peak early. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like now we're starting to to hit that incline and it's in the right direction. So we can carry that momentum right into this game this weekend. So that's that's pretty much what it was. Like it wasn't um, you know, we can't do this, we can't do that. Like it's just we know what we have to do now. Yeah. And you guys like that's such a, a good point too, because like it kind of showcased this week when you guys are in a, a tough spot. You're playing a team that's probably needs to win more than you guys. Like you guys are in a really good spot regardless of what happens this weekend. But 
for them, they really needed the win. And, and now, you know, their season's kind of done. But you guys yeah. face a, a tough bivouac team. I think ultimately the second half propelled you guys when you guys, I think you outscored them 32 to 24 in the second half. You guys did that with no oak, you know, did that from yeah. a deficit. I think bivouac collectively as a team played their best uh, in terms of just the whole team contributing. But what was kind of the game plan going against bivouac? And how did you, you know, you individually feel like you guys executed that? I mean, first off, you got to, people don't understand how tough bivouac is. Right. So when you look at those four losses that they that they had or that they have, um, they lost them by a total of 11 points. Yeah, that's so it's like when you look at, you know, and then when you look at the point differential, they're right up there with some of the teams that's in the top. Right. Because it's 47, 48, 49. You know, it's, it's like one possession games. So, I mean, the game plan, man, it was just to get downhill. You know, get downhill, stay the course. They're going to make their runs. You know what I'm saying? Just like anybody, we're all professionals here. So um, we're going to make shots. But um, it was just stay the course, man. Like you saw, we was down 11-2. Nobody panicked, call timeout, regroup. You know what I'm saying? Talk it over in the huddle, and then we'll figure it out. Yeah, 100%. I think that's your case. I was wondering the dynamic of, like, so Coach Oak doesn't miss a lot of games, but now Frank's kind of playing as a player captain. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm wondering the dynamic of, like <laughs> – you know, because you're thinking about, I'm sure from Frank's perspective, he's thinking like, okay, got to play well, but I also think about the coaching responsibilities and when am I supposed to bring the fire and, and substitute people yeah. in. Do you feel like that had any effect maybe like in the in the early going of like, just kind of like kind of settling in as you guys think, are getting going or? I think it was more so, man, it was all five of us collectively, uh, you know what I'm saying, coaching and just being locked in on the game because That's cool. there was a time, there was a time or a possession when the ball went off of Gerald Green's head on the um, on the sideline. And, um, you know, Tan, I was on the sideline. Yo, challenge that. I'm like, take that hit off that hit off Gerald's head. You know, and you look mm -hmm. at the score, it was 36 <laughs> to like 37. So mm -hmm. it was like, that was a key possession. We got that. You know what I'm saying? We used to bring the fires and stuff in both halves. Uh, we were successful in, in all of them. You, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and then we got into the bonus at the right time and stuff like yeah. that. So, Everybody was locked in, you know, and they said what they saw. Um, KJ came in and provided a huge boost for us. Um, he's finally starting to settle in. Um, you know, him and I got a good pick and roll, got him, you know, sent for a dunk and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So it's just, um, we, we're, we're so happy to see each other succeed that we don't care about the individual type of success, you know what I'm saying? Because at the end, you saw us in a circle and stuff like that. So, um, and that was big of Dante stand out. He's our leading scorer. Yeah, no, no, I love that. I love that. <laughs> like, I like the epitome of the of the team is like everything I, you know, you want to see from like every team. So yeah. that that's awesome to hear. And like, I think a key point you mentioned was like you guys actually use both bring the fires, which for for whatever reason, like teams are not using utilizing both those bring the fires because like but you got you have to be strategic with it, man. Because for sure, well, first of all, you only get one a half, right? But you just got to know when to use it. Mm -hmm. You know, because at the end of the day, it's still a four quarter game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's still mm -hmm. a four quarter game. So um, it's knowing the matchups. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a chess game. It's a, it's a game within itself. So um, and we're all trying to do that collectively, man, and just and figure it out together. I just feel like not a lot of teams are using it in the first half, almost as mm -hmm. if they're like scared that they only have one. 
So maybe that needs to be reiterated or they're just like forgetting about it. I'm like, they're like, oh man, it's halftime, you know, like whatever the case might be. But that was like, good job by you players to like recognize that and be like, let's use this now. It's a good matchup for us. We yeah, had another one in the second half. We were, locked, we were locked in on that, man. Like it was, we knew what we had to do. You know what I'm saying? Like we used everything at the right time and stuff like that. So um, after the game, we never looked back and like, damn, why do we do that? Everything was, <laughs> That's everything, cool. like, it fell in place. So, and also, have you have you hit? Are you accustomed to hitting game winners? I mean, you've done that two weeks in a row. Uh, <laughs> people say um, people say the the three point free throw is a lot tougher of a shot than it looks. Is you feel yeah, that way, yeah, or because you know what? I missed the first one. Mm-hmm. Right? I missed the first one. Um, I was very I was very pissed about that because, mm-hmm. and I told him I said, "Yo, like I can't hit the easy ones." Right, like, yeah, like you're, hitting, you're hitting all the tough shots. Yeah, the wide open like, ones. I can't hit the easy ones, and um, because the first one, it felt like I threw a pumpkin at the backboard when I took my first shot of the game. I was just <laughs> wide open, mm-hmm. but um, no, man, I think playing overseas, um, uh, you know, they put the ball in your hands a lot, especially in those late time situations. Um, and I've been trusted enough to make the right play, not necessarily the shot but I've been trusted to make the right play. So to that last play wasn't for me to shoot the ball. It okay. was like the way the way I drew the play up was for Frank to just get downhill and just make a play. Because when we played ghost ballers, we were down by two. Right. Oak put me in the game to hit the three. Now, obviously, they didn't help off of me. Dante went back door, got an and one game over Mm-hmm. So now this game is kind of like the, the same scenario, but it's just like, Frank, just get downhill, make a play, and we'll live with it. You know, if we need to get a stop, we'll get a stop. That's how it was. For some reason, he helped. Frank made the right play. I shot it, got fouled. There you go. Crazy. Crazy. That's awesome. And a, a big shot it was, especially like the last-minute adjustment that the big three is making um, this week. So there's eight teams left this week. Six teams left for week eight. Two teams already have gone through to week eight. One team's already got a playoff spot clinched in the playoffs. So, you know, this is kind of the reality of a startup league. Things change on the fly. There's adjustments being made. Um, maybe a little bit better communication could be probably be put in there. At least it, that's what it feels like from the outside perspective. But nonetheless, it is what it is. Okay, so you guys are going in. A um, little bit of an extended playoffs. You guys are playing a very hot threes company team who, like yourselves, are have put themselves in a good position for the yep. most part. But more so you guys, you know, I think you guys, even if you lose, if Trilogy wins, you're going to be able to move on to week eight and fight for that playoff spot. Whereas for them, it's either they win or they go home. Um, yeah. First off, how are you guys feeling about the adjustment of the schedule? Um, and second off, you know, what what's kind of the takeaways when going up against kind of this, like, I don't want to say new look threes company team, but like, different style of play through his company's team than we saw from earlier in the year. I mean, man, to be honest with you, um, once when we saw the adjustments and stuff that was being, you know, being made, we're not even thinking about next week. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't just jump over what, you know, who we have to play. You know what I'm saying? We're not thinking about like, okay, we're safe or anything like that. This is a playoff game. Like when or you go home. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because we win, that's a better seed. Um, now, obviously, we were matched up against the aliens, four and two, four and two, which is going to be a hell of a matchup. For sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that could have really propelled us to that second position or whatever. I don't know what could have happened with three-headed monsters. You know, I don't know. But we were looking forward to that. However, things change. Right? So if anything that I know how to do, especially with playing overseas, is just to adjust and adapt. So now it's time to play three's company and lock in on their personnel and do what we need to do. We're not worried about if such and such win or lose. Like, we're not looking at the points and all the other stuff. Like, win our game, take care of our business, and we move on. That's the only mindset that we have. Man, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like you said, you control what you can control at the end of the day. I was excited for that Aliens matchup because of uh, – yeah. Um, well, one, you guys are both four and two, but I'm always like interested because a lot of guys have played overseas. It's like mm-hmm. we're calling the aliens, or like I think the outside world is calling the aliens like the European team. I don't know what you guys are calling them in the inner circle, yeah. but for yeah. a lot of you guys, like, well, we're essentially European. We've been playing our whole career over there professionally, so it's not anything unexpected. They're doing a good job at executing, and they did a good job winning games early on. But I, I'm interested sure. to see like how different people's journeys, like yourself or like Dante's yeah. played overseas or Frankie's played overseas, um, adjusts or like understands, you know, maybe what they're doing in terms of like different actions or um, yeah. plays are running. So that would have been an I, interesting matchup. I, I understand every action that they're running. Mm-hmm. It's, you know what I'm saying? I'm, they, they've mastered the three-on-three game, mm-hmm. right? Um, the ball movement, the player movement, um, just the, you know, making the right reads and stuff like that. You just got to make or miss the shot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's a great team. They they drafted well. Um, and hence the reason why they're four and two. Yeah. I'm ex- uh, hopefully that's the match we get in week eight, but we won't worry about that. Like you said, worry about three's company and uh Let's do it. kind of the, the new old style. Like I'm telling like it just seems like they have adjusted and adjusted for the better. I feel like Bees was coming out shooting a lot of yeah. shots and the past two weeks he's been he's been kind of what you told Frank, just go make a play. And he's been a great facilitator and they've won a lot of games and they've won they've been up big so uh you know they're obviously going through a tough matchup right. with you guys so I'm very interested to see how that is the other thing I'd love to know is as you played with these guys um through six weeks what have you learned about this team that you like and makes you confident that you guys can get you know into the playoffs and have a nice little run um everybody just wants to win um, that, that's, that's the main thing. Uh, we stay in communication throughout the week. Um, that's, that's huge. Um, you know, you have a short practice window, um, you, you know what I'm saying? And then given with people's schedules and stuff like that, like we try to make it work the best way we can. But, um, like I said, man, go back from the beginning when we talk, like everyone's just selfless. That's, that's the main thing. Um, don't care who do it, just get it done. And as long as we have more points than another team, that's, that's the only thing that matters, man. Nothing, nothing else matters. Um, and we hold each other accountable. 100%. That's the, that's the other thing, too, because a lot of times you can't talk to people, but you can talk, like, we can talk to each other. Yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's the most important part. You know what I'm saying? Nobody takes it personal or anything like that. So um, that takes you a long way, especially in those crunch time moments. And the importance of, like, staying in contact throughout the week, I, I think that's huge. I don't know if every team is doing that. Um, yeah. But I know, like, when we first started watching the league, that wasn't always the case. So that's cool that you guys are doing that. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I just love the camaraderie of you guys. So best of luck to you guys on Saturday. 
Um, should be a fun matchup against Three's Company. Um, yeah. Before we sign up here, I want to go backwards a little bit. I was talking about the, the journey to get to the big three. Let me break down your resume, make sure I have everything right. Um, you played at Azusa Pacific when you guys were NAIA, now D2. Yeah. Played in the D League from 2010 to 2013. And you've pretty much been all over Europe playing in Israel, Poland, Turkey, Italy, Lebanon, France. And then you played in Mexico, which is here in North America. Um, Germany. Germany. Okay. So I did miss a couple. Um, yeah, Germany. Pretty crazy journey for you so far. I would love to. Um, I think first, do you have any craziest stories playing overseas in terms of like, I want to hear, I want to hear two, if you have them, um, the best time you've had and the most challenging time you've had playing overseas. All right. I'll go to the, all right. The most challenging time that I had my second year when I was in Poland, um, I didn't let my wife, she was my fiance at the time. I didn't let her come over and she was wondering why. And I kept trying to explain it to her explaining and like the pictures and stuff wouldn't do it justice right so um that was like my biggest test in my overseas career to be honest um i went there to play um a small city called uh Ternobyl, poland um the team is no longer existent now it's actually um i didn't put that in a book but um i will down the line in another one <laughs> but um no man as i went to my apartment you know when you go overseas, you get a car, you usually get like a, a decent apartment, you know, stuff like that. Um, I didn't have a car. The budget was low with the team. Just um, making $3,500 a month. Um, went into my apartment. And as I'm, you know, checking everything, I'm like, damn, something's missing. And I was talking to my father and I couldn't figure it out. It was like a week and a half later. I call him back. I said, man, I don't have a sink in my bathroom. <laughs> right. So Whoa. just like as a as a habit i was brushing my teeth in the kitchen sink right like there was no sink in my bathroom but on top of that man like i had a futon for a bed and you got to think you're there for eight to ten months right yeah so and it was like my my television was probably about the size of a laptop screen right and um at that time i played I played with that team for about four months. I led the I finished, I left in February, I got bought out to Israel. Um, I averaged, I led that country in scoring. I led the world in three-point percentage. Wow. Um, like the world, like the NBA, all that. Like I led That's crazy. Percentage. And um, <laughs> she didn't understand, she didn't, she couldn't understand why I didn't want her to come over there. It was just bad. I had to walk in snow. You know what I'm saying? Like two feet of snow, socks wet, but going to the gym on my own to get extra work in, like, et cetera. Right. But all that stuff paid off because it propelled me to my, you know, to where I am now. Um, I'll probably say the best story, man, is probably seeing my parents in the stands, my parents and my daughter. Right. Um, my parents first saw me playing Alba Berlin. Uh, I was playing Euro Cup. It's about like 16,000, like 16,000 fans there. Yeah, I was going to say that's um, huge. So that, that was a dope experience. And then um, just having my daughter there, man, in the stands with my wife um, two years ago when she was born, uh, she's been traveling since she was four months old. Wow. So she's, her passport already. Many, yeah, it has so many stamps in it, man. It's ridiculous. But um, 
that was the best thing, seeing her in the stands, clapping and stuff like that, seeing how engaged she is. Um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to bring her out with me this weekend when they, when they call me out um, because she turns two on Saturday. Oh, happy early birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So she has her jerseys and stuff like that. So that's, that's just dope, man. I, I love it. Man, that gave me chills. You just talking about like her in the stands and like a Euro, like Euro cup environment, like something I haven't been a part of, but definitely want to be. Yeah. Like, I heard it's crazy over there, especially during the Euro cup. And like, I got so many, the best. I have so many stories, man, about that. <laughs> My wife does too, but uh, no, nah, man, it's, it's a lovely experience. And going back to your time in Poland, I just want to like, I think I need to preface this because people might hear like, oh, you had a small TV or, you know, you had yeah. a food time, you know, like, I think I'll, for people listening to this, I don't know how many people understand this, but I think a lot of people understand, like, you're like, don't know anybody over there except for your teammates. You don't know anything around you. There's no form of entertainment. You're on different time zones talking to people. Like, yeah. so like you saying you have a small TV is like, that's your one form, one form of entertainment that you're trying to find. It's like, you can't really even enjoy that. On top of yeah. that, you got no sink just in the bathroom. So you're having to leave the bathroom every time you go to the kitchen to it wash your hands or do whatever, yeah. wash your face. Or, so or brush your teeth in the bathtub, you know what I'm saying, and wash your <laughs> face and stuff like that. But sure. It was just it was a challenge, man, but I embraced it. Yeah, that's dope. Um, and then the other question I would love to hear about your story or about your story is like, you know, being part of that first D-League draft. We've had this conversation more this year, but it's like the the decision to go from D-League to overseas. You know, what was ultimately like your biggest reason why you did that? Because money. But like, you know, when did when did you know the right time was? I think this is a conversation we always have because like D League, you have more eyes on you. It's closer to home. You're playing state stuff, but they're not making a lot of money. Like you said, they're making what thirty to forty thousand at most. Not even that. Maybe not even at that time in the D League. No, not at that time. Nah, because it's. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are now. To be honest, yeah. I don't even. Um, I'm so far away from it. I have no yeah. idea. Um, but I know for me, it was like, if I had a chance to do it, do it all over again, I would go overseas first. I would create, I would build that foundation financially. Um, and then also build the resume overseas. So when I do go back to, let's say NBA summer league, or if I do go to the D league, I don't really have any pressure on me. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I have money in the bank. I have a resume. If this team doesn't like me because you know how political it is. Um, and I can just go over there and just play freely. Right. So if they cut me. All right. I'll see y'all later. I'm going back to where I'm, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. That's, um, a good point. That, that's the way that I look at it now. And I tell a lot of guys, I'm like, man, if you got no top draft pick, don't waste your time. Like it's, it's a, it's only a select few that are going to get that opportunity to play. But when you look at the height of social media and everything, man, you have so much pressure on you, especially when you're considered a top tier athlete. And you get cut. Yeah, a lot of guys don't know how to respond to that. Mm -hmm. My first time getting cut was when I was when I got drafted in the D League. I didn't know how to respond to that. My mom had to calm me down. Never got cut before, so yeah. it was like that could have broke me right there. But it lit another fire under me, and you know this is where I am today. So a lot of those guys, man, I just man go overseas, man, and and just get some money. And learn the game more as well because I learned so much more about the game when I was overseas. Um, that now when I'm playing, it's so much slower now. Man. It's so much slower. So um, 
but everybody's situation is different. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't really want guys to be like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna make sure I just go overseas. You may have a chance to, you know what I'm saying? With that, with that G league team or whatever, to have an NBA shot. You know what I'm saying? Me, I just felt like I was beating a dead horse. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And like with Ignite, you know, I guess it's a little bit different with the Ignite teams are getting paid so much money. But even the guys that are coming out of Ignite, like you said, there's a select few, three or four guys that are getting drafted, exactly. getting yeah. an Exhibit 10 contract or a training camp contract. And, that, and then what? You know, you go back to the G League, you go back to, to making a lot less money. You go from the salary of 500K to, to 35K or whatever it is. So That's um, what I'm saying. That's, you can get that overseas in a month. Yeah, that that's it's been a really interesting conversation talking about that more this year because of guys who have played overseas more. But yeah, it feels like it would just be such a hard decision outside of money. It's like, but you're right there on the doorstep, right? So it's like you you, you can see it, right? Like, yeah, like that's right all. Yeah, but it's so far away, man. Like, and, and it's all about timing. It's yeah, all about timing. Even with this draft, with me getting drafted with the big three, it was the timing. If my team season didn't end probably wouldn't have got drafted right like it's, yeah. it's timing that's that's all this that's all it's about good point so we bring all this up because you just released a new book called adjusting adapting and managing expectations of overseas basketball i'm sure a lot of the stuff that we just talked about you probably are just reiterating or paraphrasing from things out of your book experience wise what can our listeners and maybe even readers who watch this or listen to this expect to um, to grab from your book or understand from your book. Um, I guess I mean, you should say learn from your book. Yeah, I mean, here's the book right here. Um, you know, it's it's been a long time coming. Um, I wanted to, you know, to write this. I'll send you the, the link as well. I mean, I guess you could you could post it on your page. For sure. The object of this book, man, is just to get give guys a, a heads up on what to expect, right? And when I say that, it's the things that I've experienced, things that I've witnessed through other players uh, from talking. Um, and I just don't want them to make the same mistakes that I made. I wish I had a book like this when I first went overseas um, because just for starters, a first-year a first year player going overseas doesn't even know how to pack, right? Like, I guarantee you, a rookie, his bags will be overweight, and you're going to pay about two $300 in baggage fees. Right. But in actuality, you don't have to. They have so much stuff overseas, man. Like I buy more clothes overseas than I do in the States. You can Me literally get, you can literally get on a plane with your basketball shoes because, you know, you may have your own your special preference. And then once you get over there, you'll figure out all the other resources that are there for you. You didn't really need them. You can really just get on the plane. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. That's just for starters, but it's just, um, you know, how to handle your taxes, um, how to adapt to the culture, you know, you know what I'm saying, your teammates and everything, because it's all different. You have a language barrier. Some teams may not, some teams, coaches may not speak English, so you have a translator, or you got to depend on the teammate to be your translator. Um, I'm just trying to show you how to move around there, man, so you don't, you don't bump your head. You know what I'm saying? Like I bumped my head a few times. I've seen other guys do it as well. I don't want I don't want y'all to do that. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the primary purpose of this book. And if it reaches one person, I've done my job. Yeah. Hell, I mean, 
one, that's dope. Two, I think my wife and I just came back from overseas and we probably could have used that book from the packing perspective. <laughs> just, where, where, where did you go? We just went to um, Italy. So we went to Rome and Florence and then we went to Nice, France. But I, play, I played uh, in Florence. Okay. So yeah. you understand that all the cobblestone over there is not an ideal place to have a very large suitcase. Uh, you'll break two your large wheel. suitcases. Yeah, you'll break your wheel. Yo, oh, yeah. We, oh, I did. Two wheels. <laughs> so, yeah, I could have I could have used your utilize your book. And, and like you said, you buy more stuff overseas, whether you're a traveler or a hooper or whatever the case might be. So um, yeah. we definitely could have definitely used that book. But um, that being said, where can people find your book? I know you said you'll send the link, so I'll definitely post that below. Yeah, YouTube so comments the, as well as on uh, Instagram and Twitter. The book is going to the book is on Amazon right now. Um, it should be on my website um, soon. Um, I'll send all that stuff to you. Um, and that's pretty much it right now. Um, after a while, I'll probably try to go around and try to speak to a couple universities and stuff like that um, if I can. Um, because like when you're playing overseas basketball, man, you got to understand that a lot of the like most successful athletes are going to come from mid-major division one down, right? Um, because they're already experiencing that that grind and, you know what I'm saying, like that grit. Um, not saying like the, the high division ones don't really experience it, but a lot of stuff is handed to them. And those other situations, like you got to go snatch it. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? And when they go over there, it's kind of like a shock to them because they don't have a shoe room. They don't have, you know what I'm saying, this and that. Like all those, all those teams don't have those type of resources and stuff like that. There's a hand few. So um yeah, man, it's on Amazon. It's gonna be on my uh, my website and stuff. Once when I um get all this stuff completed, I will let you know. And um everybody can go from there. Yep. Dope. And that'll all be listed in the comments below. So you guys can definitely check that out. Dominic Johnson's new foot. Let me make sure I say this clearly and not out of order. Adjusting, adapting, and managing expectations overseas basketball. Make sure you guys check that out. Dom, I appreciate your time. Um, I know you have a dinner to catch, but I appreciate your time. Best of luck to you again on Saturday against Three's Company in a crucial game. And best of luck to you on the rest of the year. Hopefully it's not a one-and-done situation. You guys are playing in the playoffs in Tampa and Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, Tampa and Atlanta, man. Those are the goals. Yeah, so best of luck, and uh, thanks again for joining the show. All right, man. See you. All right, that was our interview with Dominique Johnson. Thank you again, Dom, for coming on right before your big game against Three's Company. And as you say, it kind of a, a win or must go home every week for you guys at this point. This is the playoffs like we have been mentioning. So appreciate your time. And thank you to everyone who tuned into this episode and that interview. Hope you enjoyed. Again, make sure you guys are following on social media at Fourth Man Pod, tuning in on YouTube and subscribing over there, ringing the notification bell for all new episodes going to be really trying to get as many guys that we can that are in the playoff hunt or in the playoffs uh, to come on the show as well as update you guys on what's going on as things continue to escalate and evolve and carry on throughout these playoffs. This should be the best one yet. Uh, I was actually just looking at tickets not too long ago and thought I had four courtside seats for 25 bucks. I think it was just a glitch in the Ticketmaster system. They're about a thousand. So don't know if I'm going to pay that, but the goal is, again, to be at the game, trying to bring some of the friends there. And you guys definitely should, too. Make sure they're tuning into the big three and this great product with these great players in this league. I think people will be surprised at the talent level and excitement that they that's here. So, you know, this is not me, advo- you know, on behalf of the big three advocating. This is just on my own behalf for the love of the league, 
and the love for the guys that are hooping in this league, you know, to say, bring some people out. The tickets really aren't that expensive. It's a championship game. I don't remember, you know, I'm not saying drop $1,000 or $250 on this game. If you want, you can to sit courtside or maybe next to Ice Cube. But I'm just saying $25 go to the championship game and a really nice arena like State Farm. Like, you know, you can't beat those prices. So thanks again to everyone who tuned in. Hope you enjoyed the interview and hope you enjoy week seven of the big three. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.